the pressure today is pretty unrelenting for these boys and girls in everything they do. And I feel that they're fed a bit of a message that says perfection is possible. The problem is perfectionist tendencies we know from the research are more prevalent in girls than boys and are starting younger and younger. The recent study of seven to 10 year olds showed that 25% of these girls said they felt the pressure to be perfect. Welcome to the Lessons Outside the Classroom podcast. I'm your host, John Anna, and this is the place where I interview experts and professionals about a range of topics relating to the development and growth of children. You'll also get practical tips and advice you can implement. If you have any specific topics you'd like covered, please email on lessonsoutside at gmail.com. Today, I'm speaking to Heather Rutherford, a parent practice educator and a parenting consultant, and we're discussing perfectionism. We talk about what it is, why it's becoming more of a problem today, and what we can do as parents to help children who show perfectionist tendency. We talk about why perfectionism seems to affect girls more than boys, and Heather offers some great pieces of advice that she's garnered over the, the years of her experience, but also the fact that she's got, got three grandchildren. She's, she's been there and done that. I hope you enjoyed the interview. So I'm pleased to, to welcome today Heather Rutherford, who is a parent practice educator. Uh, welcome to the show, Heather. Thank you so much, John. I'm delighted to be here. Before we get stuck in, can you tell the listeners a, a bit about you, how you got involved in giving parenting advice and, and teaching to parents? So I am, uh, in addition to being a parenting facilitator and coach, I'm also the mom of three now teenagers. And my oldest son, when he was young, was incredibly, uh, I would say a challenge. He was a big challenge. And it wasn't really what I expected. I expected parenthood to be something that would come naturally that um, I would be able to figure it out as I went along. And this little boy who, who was very angry um, and very, um, I think, frustrated was, was very difficult for me. So I went and actually accessed some parenting help. I went to the parent practice. Um, and for the first time, I realized that there was a way, a practical way that you could, that you could actually learn skills and develop a sort of toolbox for helping you help your children. It turned out that my son was dyslexic, and I think a lot of that was came out in his frustration and anger, but it helped me be the parent that I wanted to be. So what I did was I, I um, went on to train to become a parenting facilitator, um, and now what I do is work with families just to help them bring out the best in their children um, and help their kids be happy and successful. Um, so I run workshops and courses and give talks and do one-on-one um, consulting and have a blog and I love it I think one thing I want to sort of touch on is is the fact that actually you know when we're I'm a parent myself um, two young children um, and when we become parents there's actually no rule book and it's yep. quite interesting that you, you went and sought help I think there may be people listening who might see kind of seeking help as as failing somewhat but actually there's so many resources and you know in speaking to you previously I found that actually getting advice really really helps so what would you say to parents that perhaps see it as kind of them not really being up to parenting can you think of another job really that you throw yourself into without any training without any kind of backup without any resources that you can go and tap into 
Um, so I think it's so important and it's really confidence building to know that, that you're not alone and that other people will have the same issues of helping. How do you get your kids to eat their supper? How do you get them you know, to go to bed? You've got a child who seems a bit withdrawn. Um, and I find it, it was very empowering for me um, and others, I hope, to know that there is research out there that backs up really practical approaches to helping you help your kids. There are resources out there to make your life easier calmer happier um so moving on to the subject i mean we were i actually read one of your blog posts about perfectionism um amongst girls and, and it kind of hit home because i've got a four-year-old girl um where, who i actually see some of these traits so i guess can you talk a bit about perfectionism what is it and i guess more importantly well what's the problem with perfectionism that's a really good question and i think just to set the scene i would like uh, you know when i look at it i think that there is it's different today than when we were younger. Um, the pressure today is, I think, pretty unrelenting for these children, boys and girls, um, in everything they do. And I feel that they're fed a bit of a message that says perfection is possible. And they get the message, you know, particularly via social media. Um, it's the pressure to have, you know, the perfect body, you know, the, be the perfect friend, be the perfect student, be the perfect athlete. Um, and because of our sort of 24 uh, seven life that we live, it used to be that maybe um, when we were younger, we would come home from school and we could shut the door and we could just regroup and have some time to feel connected to our family and away from this pressure. But I think that that's really not the case today. So I think, first of all, that it's different than when we were young. Second of all, this is a lot of pressure to put on young shoulders of developing kids who you know are yet to have a fully functioning rational brain <laughs> um and then in, in your question was what's the problem with it well um the problem is first of all is that perfectionist tendencies we know from the research are more prevalent in girls than boys and are starting younger and younger so i think that um the number is that the recent study of seven to ten year olds showed that 25 percent of these girls said they felt the pressure to be perfect, right? And that's, um, I think that's where we start. And the problem with this perfectionism is that um, it's unrealistic and it's an unattainable, um, you know, sort of illusion, an unrealistic view of the world um, that you'll only be accepted by other people or yourself if you're in fact perfect. And anything less than perfection is failure. But our job as parents, and we do have a job as a parent to help our children know that they are, acceptable and okay just the way they are that they um to help them have a more kind of manageable image of what success and happiness should be how does it manifest itself um how it manifests itself is it really restricts our girls in being first of all themselves and really reaching their potential because let's think about what happens if you have a fear of failure and it is very much a fear of failure when you have a perfectionist as opposed to a healthy striving for achievement. That's what we're looking for in our kids. And if you're so worried about being perfect, you are, you're going to be afraid to try. You might not put your hand up in class. You're going to give up quite easily, right? You actually might be afraid to take risks and normal risks and think, how do we learn? We take risks, we make mistakes, right? Um, they talk to themselves critically. You can just hear a little voice. Oh, I got that wrong. Ooh, you know, I, I'm not good enough. Um, and sometimes avoidance is a coping mechanism for perfectionism. And finally, 
I would just say the two things are they compare themselves to others. They're always checking to see how they've done versus someone else. And this can cause anxiety. And we know that anxiety is one of the causes of this increase in mental health issues that we're seeing in you know, younger and younger children today. Why do you think that, that is, uh, that girls tend to be more perfectionist? First of all, there's, um, there is the research that does um, back this up. Um, that one of the reasons is that girls in particular have a dip in confidence when they hit, hit their very early teens, something about, you know, something, there was a research study that said it was about 25%. Um, the dip in confidence, they said, was because of their worries about body image, you know, and um, just the need to be perfect. And I think the other side that one might argue is that boys generally are, are supported and are encouraged to take more risk just sort of socially as, as we bring them up. So I think it, it is actually both of those things working together. And you and I have discussed this before, but it is important to help them when they are young because this striving for to be perfect can knock their self-esteem and then um, it can hold them back through their lives. And there is an interesting study by Hewlett Packard in a report that, state, um, that showed that men are willing to apply for a new position um, when they felt that they were had about 60% of the necessary qualifications. And guess what that number was for women? 18, 19? <laughs> the number was, yeah, it was, it was 100% of the qualifications. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I think, you know, it's just, um, we, that it's, so it is, unfortunately, um, there is a difference and that's why we talk so much. And that's also, I think, if you look at some of the issues around anxiety and what that follows into this, um, we see higher levels of things such as eating disorders in girls than we do in boys. So, I mean, you mentioned essentially it's the way we, we bring up girls and boys and you point to the fact that when, when the youngest boys, we generally tend to push them in terms of bravery. So, I mean, thinking back to my experiences, you know, <laughs> when uh, my son was young, kind of when they're climbing up climbing frames, um, it's very much about, right, go on, carry on. If they fall down, it's kind of right, rub yourself off. Whereas perhaps with girls, it's kind of be careful. Um, and we don't yeah. necessarily allow them to, to kind of, I guess, go and try and actually fail. Yeah, I think, I mean, and what you what you point to, John, is really, really important. And I think it's the crux of so much of what we talk about is that what we tend to focus on is what we see more of. So in other words, if we say to our girls, oh, be careful, be careful, you know, just, um, or you look really pretty, um, or, um, you know, um, that's, we, we talk about wh- whatever it is that we focus on is actually, it are the behaviors and the responses that we are actually going to see more of because, we um our kids tend to um give us more more of what we're paying attention to right that makes sense yeah and let me give you an example of that one of the things that we can do around this um around this tendency and this prevalence of perfectionism as opposed to a healthy striving for achievement is that we want to avoid as parents we want to avoid focusing on results okay so i when my kids were growing up, I did not say to them, did you win? What'd you get? Um, Because actually, when we focus on the outcome more than the process, we're telling telling our kids, all of them, boys and girls, that it's the results and the outcome that matters. 
So for example, instead of, did you win? Or what result did you get? Or how did Sarah do? <laughs> we want to say, how did you feel it went? Right? Or um, how, did you, how did you play? Or you know, did you have fun? And, and with girls in clothes, you might say, I love that you chose that blue shirt to go with that yellow skirt, as opposed to, you know, you look so pretty. So again, it's, what, it's where we focus our attention. And um, it's all about, you know, we want to be the one who is helping them know that it's actually what they put in um, that's important rather than um, just focusing on the outcome. It's quite interesting because I can imagine that some of the listeners, I mean, I'm hearing this and I, I'm thinking that it would be potentially something hard for me to do because naturally, I guess, in the world we live in, it generally is all about, I guess, winning uh, and losing, you know, whether you got that yeah. job, whether, you know, you go to watch your local team, yeah. whether you, whether they won or lost. So I'm just trying to think for myself in terms of how how I change that behaviour. I can imagine I'll probably find that a little bit difficult. And And I guess... One of the questions there is, you know, not not focusing on the result. It's, it seems kind of counterintuitive because you said what we do want is not necessarily perfection, but but a striving. How do we get that sort of inner striving in terms of right, I, you know, that inner confidence and that inner drive to to want to do better without being perfectionist, but also without focusing on the results? Well, one thing we can do is that we can help our children develop a growth mindset. And um, I know this is something that we hear more and more about today, but let's talk about what is a growth mindset. And this is a way that we're going to help our children do what you said, which is build the kind of self-esteem and the confidence, um, especially our daughters, to know that it is actually, you know, it have be valued for who they are and have faith in their own potential. So the growth mindset idea is that you actually believe that your talents and your ability can be developed, can be grown, can be improved through actual determination and hard work and what you put in. So it's this attitude and the strategies that matter. And that's why as parents, we want to focus on, you know, help our children focus on the input as opposed to the output. Now, um, you I know, John, have heard of Carol Dweck from Stanford University, and she's the one who researched and developed this whole idea of a growth mindset approach. And her work for us, for us talking about perfectionism actually shows that perfectionism is associated with a fixed mindset. And that is the, con, con, you know, the converse to the growth mindset. And that's a belief, a mindset, that abilities and talents and intelligence is actually fixed. And no matter how hard you work, um, you're not going to change. Um, so what they do is they put all their energy, this fixed mindset, kids into proving their abilities rather than improving their abilities. So therefore, they're the ones who are less likely to reach their potential and to be held back by fear of failure and a worry about being perfect. Because in their mind, it's actually, you know, they might be told they're clever or they're smart. And actually, if they fail, then they're not going to be, they believe they're not going to be perceived as that any longer. On the growth mindset, my one, I guess, query on this is, what if you're a pet as a parent, obviously you recognise all this, but you don't have a growth mindset? What can, because I think a lot of this, you know, depends on, on the parent really. What can parents really do? Because if, if a parent hasn't got a growth mindset and is perhaps um, someone who's fixed and kind of sees 
um, knowledge, intellect as, as fixed, it'd be very hard for them to really mimic the behaviours of a growth mindset. So how, as a parent, if you recognise that you don't have this growth mindset, can you can you go about, I guess, to some extent, faking it? I, I don't know. Well, I think what you just said there is key. First of all, that you actually recognise it. So, and we, if just to step back to perfectionism, um, and it's just kind of important to, to understand why it's important, why this growth mindset can help you avoid these perfectionist tendencies. So if you actually, first of all, you d- you've taken the first step, which is you realize that actually I'm finding this growth mindset stuff quite tough. I think I've, I've got a bit of a fixed mindset. So it's all about us retraining the way we see things. And that's what parenting can be about. It's just stepping back and realizing that we need to adjust our approach um, and we need to think um, how we're coming across. So let me give you a couple of examples. So in order to help our children build resilience, which is with a growth mindset, you're going to be much more able to um, manage setbacks and failures. It's all about where we, again, where we put our, our attention. So let's just say we train ourselves rather than saying to our kids, gosh, that looks really hard. Are you sure you're going to be able to do that? <laughs> or um, um, if, you, if you find it too difficult, maybe you should stop and have a little break. So rather than that, what you might say is, wow, look, you made a start on that math homework, even though I know you find it really hard. Or you might say, I love it. You've made a list of everything you need to do. And that's a great strategy to get started because uh, sometimes I know we all feel overwhelmed. So we're actually training ourselves to think of the words that come out of our mouths that support the approach or the, you know, the, the mindset that we would like our kids to adopt and to develop and to grow. I see. I see. I think it's actually almost writing specific phrases down because I said, on a personal level, I'd sometimes find it, it again, it, if it comes naturally to say, you know, how did you do? Um, that was a great yeah. picture. So actually focusing on the end result as yeah. opposed to what you're saying in terms of focusing on the process and the elements that led to it. So highlighting things like you tried really hard or I noticed you were yeah. nervous and then you you managed to do it. So uh, I said it's it's one of these things that, that sounds like you've got to be very deliberate about. And, and it doesn't sound like it's something that's going to be done in a week or, or months. This, this sounds like it's something that's a continual thing over years. You um, bring up another great point. So we love um, Stephen Covey and his seven habits of highly successful people. And he has this approach of families as well. And he says, you want to begin with the end in mind. Okay. So we want to have in our mind, you know, our kids who are flexible, who are resilient, who give things a go, who get back up when they get knocked down. All the, um, all the, the qualities of a child who is um, has a healthy striving to achieve, right? So you have that in mind, and we're going to take tiny steps in the right direction. Every day, we're going to take our one step on the journey of a thousand steps. <laughs> so you're absolutely right. Every day, we say, look, you're really trying hard to give it a go, rather than just saying, wow, you're so clever, or you're so intelligent so all just all these little words and i like to think of it is that we're showering our children with this new kind of soundtrack which then they take on themselves and it becomes theirs so in their mind they think 
I give things a go. I try hard. I persevere. You know, all that, all that sort of thing. So we are actually, as you said, sort of deliberately focusing on, you know, the values that we'd like them to take on. I'm going to um, be a bit cheeky here and, and actually give an example that's actually happening currently. And it would be great to get your, get your view and advice on. So my son, six years old, um, he's been asked to do a, a small gymnastic show. Um, so it's, it's nothing, it's not, not a big deal. However, um, it's clear that he really, really doesn't want to do it. Um, he's obviously really nervous about it. I mean, he's, he's been in tears um, about it quite recently. Um, and it's one of those things where part of me wants to, when I say force, wants to just really kind of force him to do it. Because if you don't kind of, and we always sort of allow him to, to not do things, he will never learn. Um, but then the other side is, okay, we need to be sensitive to that. So in those situations, how, how would you recommend navigating them? Because yeah, it's one of those, you damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because I know, and we know as, as parents, that guaranteed if he does it, it will not be as bad as he thinks, and he will actually have um, achieved yeah, something. So, so what, yeah. what would you recommend doing? Um, it could be, let, if we put it back in the context of a little a child, or a girl, or a boy, who may be worried about messing up, maybe worried about not getting things perfect. So where do we go? Well, one thing that we always want to start with is we want to start with that connection with our child and we want to validate and talk about how they're feeling. Okay. And um, our kids need to know that these big feelings, he's, he's probably feeling fearful. He's probably anxious. He's got, he's worried if he's, maybe he doesn't want to be in front of other people. There's a whole lot of things that are going on in his little head. And because his little head is, again, not as, as well developed as yours is, he will be less able to sort of process all this. So, and before that he can process, we need to help him just know that we get it, that all these feelings are okay. So we want to be what we call an emotion coach. So, um, and one of the, one of the things for him, if you've got these big, scary feelings, then they usually come out in a behavior and the behavior might be avoidance as we discussed, right? So in order to help him, we want first to connect and we want to get down on his level and say, wow, I can imagine that you're probably pretty worried about this gymnastics. You know, um, you've been working so hard and maybe you feel that everybody will be looking at you and wondering if you're going to get it right. That can be really, really scary. And can you see how, if we speak to him in this way, his little shoulders might start to soften a little bit because mm. actually we're getting down on his level and we're saying, we get it. I'm going to put myself in your shoes and I'm here with you um, to help you know that these big feelings are okay. Uh, and with all kids, um, it may be the behavior that comes out of these big feelings that, that needs to be redirected isn't okay but before these kids can actually move on and come up with any kind of sort of ideas of how they're going to manage it they need to have their feelings validated right so um that this is the most important thing so you might say and then and sometimes i used to worry with my daughter my youngest one that if i mentioned the big feelings <laughs> that would make them worse but actually we know from research that the con the, the opposite is actually true Okay, and one way to reduce stress um, is actually to empathize. Like there's a chemical release in your brain when, when you are being 
understood and listened to as opposed to have those feelings being denied or pushed away. So in answer to your question about the gymnastics, absolutely, we want to get down on his level and build that connection and let him know we understand. And then from then you might be able to problem solve. How about, what do you think might make it easier? Do you think maybe if we got there earlier than everybody else and we were in the room when everyone else arrived and he might say, yeah, that's a good idea. Or how about, you know, if, if we go and, and take something special with him, but only when these big emotions have actually been released, listened to and validated, will he be able to move on um, to actually imagine himself sort of getting through them? That's really, really useful. And, and, and it's, it's just got me thinking, really, just sort of thinking back uh, in terms of sort of a kid's behaviour. And I guess what you're potentially saying here is sometimes when kids are having tantrums and they're having extreme behaviours, it's, you know, they're not obviously clearly not naughty, but it's about an emotion. Um, it's about yeah. something that they might be scared of, anxious about. And, and I guess if I, I'm here correctly, it's about this empathy that really is kind of there to validate their feelings first and foremost, to, to make them feel heard. Absolutely. Um, when, when there is a, um, an unwanted or you know, behavior or, it, you know, that's actually sending you a signal kind of a it's kind of sending out this kind of you know it's like a siren almost for us to think goodness me there's actually a need that's not being met okay and um so and it could be a range of different things I want to kind of keep bringing it back to this idea of perfectionism but it could be that um the yeah the behavior this worry about always being perfect is is because a a child has a lack of of confidence and self-esteem and one way that we can help them start to address that is to actually help, help them know that that they are listened to and understood um, and that from there that we can help them then build and problem solve. So it is always about a need. And we as parents, um, I love the work of uh, Dan Siegel, who is a UCLA um, neuroscientist, but he always, he says to chase the why. So anytime you have a behavior, you want to say, why? Why are they behaving this way? What is it? So whether it's, you know, perfectionism or whether it's anger it's, or it's, you know, being um, aggressive or it's withdrawing or being too shy, anything that kind of, you know, isn't quite right. We want to ask ourselves, you know, why? What's going on? What's behind the behavior? Can you give us some hope? I can imagine that you've kind of gone through the process of, so you, you've had children who are grown up now. Could you just, I guess, give us some hope for, for those listeners out there who are perhaps sort of um, maybe a little bit frustrated uh, who kind of who can't really see the end in terms of your journey, and um, you mentioned your son there, but you've got two daughters. Kind of that journey, and sort of how I guess how how it kind of well, it hasn't ended yet, but how it's how it's ended in terms of their their development. Well, I have really enjoyed the opportunity, you know, to to, to parent my kids, and I love just the the fact that I have three little human beings, bigger now, that are all unique and different, um, and. What might work with one doesn't necessarily work with the other, which can be frustrating, but it's, that is, it's just fascinating. So I do think that the work I've done and the focus on, on the idea of just being positive, and we talked about this whole growth mindset, but focus on everything, all the things that get right. Um, and second of all, this whole idea of really listening and connecting and empathizing with them, which I would like to say didn't necessarily come naturally to me, has um, 
very much has really helped me just build the connection with them. So I feel incredibly close to them. Um, and it has been, you know, it has been a journey. It is hard. And now my son is 19. Um, he's at uni studying engineering. Um, my two daughters, one just wanted a gap year and the other's doing her A-levels. And they're all, as I said, unique, um, funny, interesting, um, and um, I'm hoping happy individuals. But it, it is in the hope for you all is that it is tough. And just when you turn a corner, you might, you know, you're going to find something new and different. And just try and enjoy every single stage of their growing up. But it can be incredibly uh, it's a challenge. Let's, it is a challenge, but, it's, um, but it is a wonderful thing to behold. So there's hope for everyone. There is, there is hope. And um, believe me, I'm, I'm on my, uh, my sort of final thing I would say is if we remember that parenting, I think, you know, is about 80% is connection. Okay. So, so often it's the simple things that make the difference. So it's about finding time to, to be with your kids and do follow them and figure out what they want to do. They'll feel more connected to you, more loved, more understood, more respected. And you will get the, you know, from that you get better behavior. You get these, you know, emotionally developed kids who, and that's really the key. So just remember the connection um, side of things is the most important part. Great. So before we finish off, I wouldn't mind just um, summarizing, um, I guess your key tips for any parents out there who've got children that seem to display, I guess, perfectionist tendency. Um, yeah, could you just yeah. summarise the, the piece of the advice? So we talked, first of all, about just the the language that we use and what we focus on. And we, we talked about we want to focus um, less on the outcome and more on the process. So focus on the things they get right, build them up as far as all the inputs, the strategies, the effort and the attitude. Anytime you see that, point it out and acknowledge it with your kids. Um, the second thing I had wanted to say was also be there with empathy and validate their feelings. So um, that means give, give um, words to their feelings. Let them know that it's okay to feel frustrated, to feel um, you know, cross that they don't get things right, that they lost. Just give words to these emotions and that will help your kids process them. And when they know that we understand, they're then able to move from those, from the big feelings to be able to start problem solving. And they learn to be, you know, emotionally intelligent little people. Um, and then finally, I think also just the idea of modeling. So for me as a, me as a parent, we want to model you know, kind of what we want to see in our kids, right? So we want to, we want to model, you know, when things don't go right. <laughs> so we want to let them know that we also get knocked down and fail and we pop back up again. Um, and um, being positive and showing them that a healthy approach to, to life and having real, realistic expectations is, is the way forward. And that's basically kind of what we're living ourselves. I think that's really, really important. So ultimately, it's that, it's that idea that you, me, we're all good enough as we are. You know, I love your little quirks. I love all the things that, that you do. And that's what makes you the unique person that you are and able to, to kind of have the freedom to be their best selves. One thing I just want to go back on very quickly, you, you talked in the advice that we should focus on the, on the positives that they, that they, they do in terms of positive actions. Yeah. Do you think that 
focusing on the positives all the time, we run the risk of potentially um, creating our creating children that can't take criticism. Agree that we need to be positive, but where and when is the right place? Not to criticise, but to kind of highlight perhaps where they've got things wrong. Because I guess the one thing about always being positive that I might see is that you know they're, they're always used to hearing good things, and actually when they perhaps in a situation out externally, they hear something that's not so positive um, that they need to improve on, they take it in the bad way. What, what's your, your view on that? When I say you know, positive, it's really on acknowledging specifically, um, descriptively, what they get right. So as opposed to saying, clever girl, well done, super you, you know, you're amazing. We say, look at you, you put your socks on this morning and your shirt and you came downstairs without being asked. So it's actually, it's not, it's not um, kind of superlative, um, you know, uh, fluffy praise. It's very specific. And um, that, that is the praise. If we're very specific about what is it, what they get right, you're um, less likely to get a child who hits a bump in the road and, and isn't, doesn't have the resilience because they've only been told that they're wonderful. So what we're doing is we're giving them, we're giving them the, the um, self-esteem because we're actually letting them know that they're competent and um, that they do get things specifically right. And um, they are then much more able to take constructive, you know, criticism out there in the world. And also we might say to them, hmm, I wonder if there's another way you might do that or how might you do that differently? You know, we're trying to engage them in some problem solving um, as an approach to, to, trying to get things um trying to think, get things right and not being afraid of getting things wrong brilliant that really clears up actually i think there's a real nuance there that you've just mentioned in terms of how how we praise one style of praise will lead to someone that, that can't take criticism um but the other style of praise that you've mentioned in terms of the process in terms of the achievement and and being specific um will lead yeah. to actually not just that but but also problem solving where we start to to work on ways and devices work that that uh, our children can um, can overcome setbacks. Uh, yeah, and one little I got one little example was I remember my daughter had um, who is a little bit older, so she had done particularly not very particularly well as she would have liked on a particular test. And I sort of said, "How did it go?" Oh, mom, it was awful. Oh, you must be disappointed. Yeah, mom, was really really bad. Wow, that doesn't sound so good. And then I, I and then I said, "Well, what what did you know? What could you do differently next time?" And then she said, study. <laughs> um, so, I mean, so I'm not, what, I'm not saying to her, well, you know, you didn't. So I, she's the one who comes up with the, the she's the one who comes up with the, the answer. You know, she's, she's learned, she's learned, she's, a, she's, um, and she's owning it herself, as opposed to me telling her what we all know, but she needed to come to that conclusion herself. Right. That's really, that's really interesting, actually, really important. So giving our kids the opportunity to come up with the solutions as opposed to perhaps almost spoon feeding them the solutions. Absolutely right. And I mean, clearly it's such a big, we could talk about this for hours. It's just, it's such, and that's a really good question of yours. It's really hard, but just to just, it's the kind of nuance around what we focus on. So I did say that we get more of what we pay attention to and what we pay attention to is we we're telling them specifically with this acknowledgement what it is that we want to see more of right i love how you had a start on that i loved how you you stopped um because the time was up even though it wasn't perfect i loved how you you know um 
um, you just made, you had a guess when you didn't think you knew the answer. I love that. So do you see how those are all specific kind of um, ways that we're going to tell our kids what we want to see more of as, of as far as the way they, they kind of are, are addressing things? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, listen, Helen, this has been fascinating. I've, I've loved, I mean, I, I always love it when we have a, when we talk. Um, for any parents or listeners at home that, that want to know more about you, um, where can they find you? On our website, and we are called The Parenting Partnership. And so the website is theparentingpartnership.com. All the information on everything we have available, blogs, ideas, you know, courses, talks, everything. So that's the place to go. And thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to um, come and talk to you. No problem. Absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, Heather. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed listening to that episode. You can subscribe for free to get notifications whenever a new episode is released. And remember, reviews are always welcome as it helps new listeners find me.